1: Slut shaming podcast. Yo, you have a second? I'm Christina Hutchinson. I'm Corinne's sister. And I'm your absolute know, best friend. Bring us your slutty, your horny, and your shame. Hey, you a slut? Yes. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about fucking What up fuckers, how you doing? How you been? Welcome to another episode of Guys We Fucked It's
2: the Anti-Slut Podcast I'm Corinne I'm Christina Welcome to the show Thanks for joining us
1: Yeah, uh, We love you
2: And if you didn't already know uh, Spread the word on the street We do have our debut comedy special coming out on February fourteenth, that's right, it's Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. It's going to come out at nine p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube. It's going to be exciting. We can talk. We're going to be doing
1: uh, a live, a live, yeah, chat, yeah, a so live chat. We'll in be chatting with you mm-hmm. when it premieres at nine p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Valentine's Day. We will be at our computers chatting with you. So uh come watch it when it premieres. Get us on that algorithm and then talk to us. Yeah, Yay. yeah, we'll be. It'll be
2: like AOL days. It'll be super fun, oh super God, nostalgic. Cute. I mean, obviously, we we do want you to concentrate on the jokes and enjoy the special. Maybe put together like a little party with your friends. Yeah. Um. But yeah, if you have questions, you know, during it, like why'd you wear that, or um, mm, I won't answer that. <laughs> what one. Jo- What what inspired this joke? I mean, we could talk a little bit about it. But well, yeah, Christine and I will be there. You know, and we'll, we'll take photos so you know, it's the proof of life that we're actually, it's actually us, it's not (laughs) someone else. Proof of life. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that's what I like to call it. That's what I like to call it. Um, and I realized also, um, on the last episode, we kind of caught you up with things that you may have missed mm-hmm. if you weren't a luminary subscriber. And mine was mostly death. Um, but also, I don't think I don't know if I talked about this, but I wanted to make sure I talked about it was I, I took over um, my family and, and my primarily my dad's longtime business, which is a baseball card and horror memorabilia store. Um, and I'm going to give it a free ad right now because Hell I yeah. think that's I think you can give your own business a free ad on your podcast. But it's called Perfectly Centered It's been open since 1989 It was originally in Roselle Park, New Jersey It's now in Larchmont, New York 1989 Palmer Avenue. So please come visit if you're in the Westchester area. We sell all kinds of sports cards: baseball, football, basketball, hockey, soccer, Pokemon. Um, we do have Pokemon. We have vintage movie posters and old Mad magazines and Monster magazines and like a lot of really cool stuff. Like I truly like I I. It's the only place that I'm like oh o- always usually happy is like when I'm in this store. Truly, um. And that's a real testament to the magic that's inside. I love having kids leave and scream on the street. That's the coolest store I've ever been in. I really appreciate that. That has happened more than once. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And if you are not in the Westchester area, give us a follow at Perfectly Centered Store on Instagram. Um and it's just yeah can you support buy online? it? Uh, not well, we have an eBay, we have okay. an eBay store that's more for sports cards. I'm trying to expand a little bit more, but it's like actually like super expensive and intensive to have a shopping um section on your uh website. Yeah. And then also, you know, I've d someone has some to be keeping mail up with you mail it out and yeah. you know, that's a lot of and we also have a lot of unique items. So it's hard when there's only one of something yeah. to have it listed and you know, all that kind of stuff. But anyway Yes, uh, I own it. And then uh, John Campanelli, who, you know, from the show and comedy and being my friend, he is the general manager. So that's what I've been working on. (laughs) So I have a lot of things going on. But, you know, I am a business. I'm a small business owner now. So that's exciting. And uh, yeah, something I am interested in. And I've always wanted to own a small business. I thought it would be a tea shop, but it's a baseball card store. (laughs)
3: Yeah, it is funny how that turned out.
1: Yeah, you know, maybe the tea shop is next time. It's so, f- yeah, yeah. And then also as a testament to like, your dad had that store and stuck with it. Right. Like my parents That's had, why I didn't want to give it up because it was just right. like, it hurt like the part of
2: me that is very like loyal to sticking with things. Yeah.
1: And it's beautiful. That's a rare uh you know thing for a human being to 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 really be dedicated to something like that. It's a, it's amazing.
2: Well he truly did what he loved. And he and, and when he opened the store, everyone was you know, there was a lot of people I think in his life, um, who were kind of like that's like that's what you're gonna do just to open a store, and he was like, "That's what yeah, I fucking want to do." Yeah, it is. And he was also like beloved in the industry. Like if you read the um, Google reviews and Yelp reviews from the original store in Roselle Park, New Jersey, I mean, literally perfect five star review. Wow, very one. Who expect nothing less, Randy. And then also fucking amazing. Just yeah, they were like, you know, he's a person who really knowledgeable about what he was selling, fair prices, and it's honestly one of the few times in my life where I was like, these are kind of like giant footsteps to follow. Like, I never really feel like that. I always feel like, you know, I'm fine. I'm trailblazing and everything. But I'm like, this is a situation where I've put myself in where I go, I don't know even... 1% 1% of what my dad knew about this business and I constantly feel like I am drowning and really fake I'm um, fake it sports it, talk I am I mean, <laughs> yeah. and I know a certain amount of it you know just from being a, a being in growing, mu- up. growing up in the home and I know about the accounts and the cards and the brands that make them and the kinds of products that these companies make but it's just like when you literally don't watch sports I mean there is a, a lot of frantic googling going on <laughs> and I do f- I feel like I'm like doing I'm I'm doing an okay job, but I mean, it's, it's interesting after. Being, you know, spending years in comedy where I feel, you know, I've, sometimes I still feel nervous, of course, but feeling comfortable and confident and knowledgeable about the industry I'm in, and then just like literally out of nowhere, being dropped into this place where I have no idea what the fuck is going on. I'm also dealing with all men again. Just every mm-hmm, career mm-hmm. I choose is just like me, just being thrown mm-hmm. into something with all men, <laughs> yeah, and I'm going ah. I think it might work out <laughs> in like a Kathy cartoon. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> ah. that was
1: like
2: said. an exact
1: Kathy. impression. Well, I I <laughs> think
2: I think in, uh, in other industries, like I definitely feel like people, you know, like there is a a certain amount of disrespect is similar to comedy and like filmmaking, which were the other two male dominated industries for me Um, with being a woman like
0: talking. Down but to I you. do
2: think there, you know, this is a very like funny, finan- uh, like a business of financial negotiation. And I do feel like knock on wood, they're less likely like to try and like m- be annoyed when I give them a price cuz I don't know maybe they think I'm dumb and I lowball them or like I gave them a low <laughs> price to begin with. I you don't know, know, know like $2. It? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cuz I oh, I will, geez, I, will I, don't know. I will say it in that tone and I'm like not I'm not trying to like fucking be like a pool shark or something. Yeah. I would. You fucking play innocent, baby. No. Take no, them for a ride. I can't. I have to be very honest if, in this business because it's my dad's legacy. Yeah, yeah. So if it was my, you know, if it was my own I would feel more comfortable with making my own rules but like one of the primary things like my dad I did and like why we weren't rich and I always told him that was because his <laughs> prices were extremely fair and so one of my rules for the story is like that the, the price. I want to carry that the prices have to be as fair as they can beautiful. With, with but also allowing us to keep the doors open so yeah. yeah that is that is like one of the main things I told John I was like <laughs> we have to have fair prices
1: oh man you and I grew up with such different values taught to us so <laughs> good for you perfectly my, centered I used, to, I used to yeah that's amazing that's beautiful Uh your dad used to what well I had a, my dad had a collectible store mm-hmm. for a very little amount of Time. <laughs> and was I was in a- Pennsylvania or Virginia? Virginia. Okay. And I had to work at it, and we had to like go through people's trash or go to auction houses, and we would bid on like a pile of trash basically, and we'd have to go through it. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing and they're like that. they didn't really either, but they weren't in it for like the love of it they right. wanted to make big bucks and yeah. that's why their things didn't last very long because yeah. that never happened um,
2: but, no my dad and I like we have we have this in common <laughs> in that like if we really love a piece in this store like even if you're willing to pay what we're charging for it like if we don't like your vibe we're not gonna sell it to you that's yeah. amazing that's, <laughs> I literally look my brother, up and down <laughs> I make the price higher if I don't that like is you that's the most I don't,
3: Corinne Fisher that's rule i ever heard. I didn't want it in to my go my to life. your home
1: that's amazing I'm crazy I used to have to chase Kids that were stealing Pokemon cards Out of the, st- out of the store My brother had to chase them Actually Because I didn't want to chase them um, But yeah I was forced to work there When I didn't want to So I fucking hate that shit But um, it made me hate it Because the TLC That your dad So lovingly put into his business Was not there So it's that's beautiful That's a beautiful thing You gotta love thing. it You gotta know about it yeah. You gotta care about and it And collecting things I mean we did have something we, we Everybody in our family Had something they collected And mine was trolls Um, I loved trolls Oh I have a bunch of trolls Yeah Trolls and Eeyore memorabilia So That was the kind of life I grew up in (laughs) Um but yeah that's amazing (laughs) Well that's because
2: you know it's interesting Um uh, people do come in and, and they think that it's like is a store of trash. And I have to explain to them that no, like there are there are literal pictures of men that are like sold for twenty thousand dollars yes. and that's not even crazy. Pictures right. of men meaning baseball cards. Right, right, right. <laughs> a man
1: with a piece so of got, wood in his hand. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, we got good stuff. We got those Kobe PSA 10. <laughs> 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 all right. Uh if you want to email us, it's sorryaboutlastnightshow at gmail.com. Make sure the subject line is going to be informative of what we're about to read and this subject line is my conservative boyfriend is a closeted homosexual uh, bisexual sorry my conservative boyfriend is a closeted bisexual and enjoys sucking dick okay let's get into it hi current and christina i've been a guys we fuck listener since the very beginning and i absolutely adore you both i will skip the long list of praises because you both know how great you are and i'll dive right into it I just recently found out that my boyfriend of two years is a closeted bisexual. I not want closeted anymore. To give you some backstory, I'm a 29-year-old female, and he's a 28-year-old male. We briefly dated when we were in college, but during that time, he was in a frat. I know this is a red flag, LOL. And I wanted to have fun in college, so we were both very much not ready to settle down. We remained casual friends and reconnected later in life, which led to our now two-year relationship. We currently live together, and in the beginning of the relationship, we had a lot of spectacular. Uh, we had a spectacular sex life. He is very kinky and has had a lot of past sexual partners—triple digits. I too have had my fair share, but his body count is far larger than mine. But, uh, but his, be- uh, but his experience and willing to try new things, willingness to try new things makes it fun. After about a year into the, uh, after about a year into the relationship, things began to die down in the bedroom. We went from fucking every day or multiple times a day, to every other day, to every other week, and then nearly once a month. I originally believed this was due to being out of the honeymoon phase, but it seemed more one-sided. I wanted sex, he did not. We had many discussions about getting our sex life back on track and trying to rebuild what we had once once had, but he said he was depressed, in a rut, etc. The sex would sometimes get back on track, but we would eventually fall back into the same patterns." He has had a decent amount of trauma in his life and I try to be supportive and push him to seek uh, help thinking this would fix many of our problems. Along with this, I found him to have what I consider a pretty serious porn addiction. He told me he knew it was an issue, but he wouldn't completely stop. His porn usage went up and down throughout time. And initially, I thought this was the cause of most of our sex related problems, sex related problems, and his depression. He tried therapy, but eventually stopped going. And I urged him to continue to go or possibly try medication for his depression. Long story short, he did not, and things continued to stay the same. Also, we live in the South, and he grew up with divorced parents in a Catholic household where he was taught to just suck it up and be a man. Now on to the dick-sucking. Thank you. A week or so ago, I went upstairs to look for an item I had put in a drawer a few months ago. <laughs> that feels vague as yeah, shit. that is so vague, dude. <laughs> ah, you sound like me, bitch. Come on. I went to look for an item I'm so upstairs. I lost a thing in a, in a place and I went to see it. <laughs> uh, a week or so ago, I went upstairs to look for an item I had put in a drawer a few months ago that I needed to bring to my parents' house. Okay, it wasn't a dildo. When I opened the drawer, Ooh. I came across an old iPhone Uh huh. that was turned on but clearly hidden. I decided to snoop and immediately discovered the phone had Tinder on it. I checked the profile. It was made with no images, but advertised as a bisexual couple. Oh, shit. You were involved seeking female for discreet threesome. Oh, my heart sank. I went through the messages, though not many. I found he was talking to another man, a friend from college. Let's call him Michael. Michael. And they were recruiting women for a threesome with explicit details on what they wanted during the sexual encounter, which included my boyfriend sucking off Michael. Oh, so you weren't involved. This did not involve you. This is
3: scandalous. Yeah.
1: There were also messages on his Facebook account from Michael where Michael had offered my boyfriend the opportunity for a threesome with him and his wife, to which my boyfriend responded that wanted to take him up on the He wanted to take him up on the offer. Michael asked if he was still dating me and the boyfriend said yes, but not much else. I also found that grinder had been installed but was deleted wait what how do you find that out how do you know it was deleted the She fuck must kind be tech young boys are you <laughs> i was able to log into the grinder account wow but there were no matched or uh, matches or messages all of the messages seemed to have a pattern he would tell the woman what he and michael wanted to do he would then relay responses back to michael and the woman would offer her contact info and he would not answer okay so this is all foreplay basically that never led to anything I immediately confronted my boyfriend and he came clean. He said in college, he experimented because he was bi-curious and during a foursome, he sucked Michael's dick and Michael sucked his. He said it was a heat of the moment decision, but overall found the thought of a threesome with another man so unimaginably, uh, unimaginably arousing, he couldn't stop thinking about it so much so he found he was having trouble getting aroused for anything but the thought of group sex. He claims he is not interested in men romantically and would not be interested in having anal sex or even kissing a man, but the thought of the foursome... And group sex in general has become his ultimate spank bank memory. He claimed he cheated on his previous girlfriend in an adult theater with two women. This is too much. And that was the last time he engaged in group sex. He also said his bisexual experience is limited to what happened with Michael, but he has been downloading Tinder and Grindr every day or every few months. Talking with women or other bisexual couples with Michael jerking off, deleting Tinder, and then would feel disgusted and ashamed. He claims he has been continuing this cycle over and over and over since his experience with Michael. Okay, He's, and let me just uh, stop it and say you're not talking to any women on Grinder. I don't know what the fuck you're talking no, about. No, that's only men. that's only gay guys. Okay, or bi guys, but that one uh, fuck men. It's, yes, yeah, it's pretty gay. <laughs> It is pretty gay. Gr- that's the, that's actually their slogan. Grind. It's, it. pretty, it's pretty gay. gay. <laughs> pretty pretty fucking gay, huh? <laughs> he said it's the closest thing he can do without actually going through with the act. Itself, See, he's too ashamed. He's too ashamed to explore himself. That's uh, and that's in an impulse he can't control. He's
2: also over explaining to the point where I just think everything's a lie at this point. Yeah. He's like giving like you found a phone and then all of a sudden, you know, his history of sexuality that you didn't know before. Yeah, that's weird, a big one. Weird. Yeah. Alarms yeah, yeah, are
1: going yeah, on. Yeah, he has right. a separate phone for all of these dating apps. No one that's ever a found serious a separate business. phone and said, this is great. Yeah, it's, like, it's like his
3: business. You it's, have like a work phone, yes. but it's just Grinder and Tinder. <laughs> My.
1: Yeah. jeez. He said it makes him sick because he doesn't want to have these urges. Well, you can't fucking help it, buddy and can't stop watching group sex No, he's porn. gay and
2: he's trying to get her sympathy. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> yep. Looking back, I can sort of see where he tried to give me hints. He was interested in sexual acts with men. He asked me to have threesomes in the past, but mostly with other women. I'm sort of jealous. I'm sort of the jealous type and though I would be interested in having group sex, it's very fun, I don't know if I could bear seeing him with someone else sexually, so I told him no. He brought up a male-male-female threesome multiple times with Michael, but I turned it down because I am very much not attracted to Michael. That's, that, that He is. Yeah,
3: Yeah, you don't (laughs) want to fuck
1: Michael, but he does. And I thought it was a loophole for him to try to get me to say yes to a male-female-female threesome in the future. No, At, he wants to suck. You know, yeah, he, wants no, to no. Fuck, he wants to get fucked by a dude or suck a dick. After he asked multiple times, I shut it down for good and told him to stop asking. Given he is a semi-conservative Catholic and past frat boy preoccupied with hunting and football. Oh God, and football. This is like exactly like the last episode of Euphoria. I'm mm, dying. I never thought he would be interested in engaging with a man during the male, male, female threesome he presented. I used to also joke that his masculinity was so fragile because he would get defensive over the stupidest shit that even even slightly touched on his manly ego. I'm sure that was helpful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, it's not something I have you're a cock too. <laughs> it's uh, not something I haven't done, but I can tell you as someone who has done, it, it's super not doesn't helpful. make it better. Super not. <laughs> it's like finding a
1: secret phone. It's not good, uh, which makes a lot of sense now before. Uh, also, before anyone gets mad at me, I'm not saying a stereotypical manly man cannot be bisexual, but after two years of dating someone and living with them, I thought I would have known by now, especially because, We've talked in detail about our past sexual experiences and desires. He's extremely embarrassed and said he knows he needs to seek help because he believes he may be a sex addict. And thinks the porn usage is also causing a lot of urges. No. He's oh making God. a lot of excuses. Yeah, he, he needs to shut the fuck up. And yeah. you guys need to break up. I'm extremely hurt he didn't confide in me sooner because I feel like I would have indulged in the fantasy with him. But at the same time, I can't help but look you at him a little differently. You literally wouldn't
2: have. He, asked, he, he tried to ask you for the thing that you said And you said, said no. And you said no multiple
1: times. And then you asked him to stop asking you.
2: Yeah. So, girl, what? You shut the door on the conversation. Again, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying, like, you didn't talk. So your boyfriend's no, gay But the, I you, mean. you have a
1: clear con- You have yeah. a clear Communication issue From the start That's yeah. very obvious Yeah 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 The once kinky fun guy I love to fuck Has been hiding An entirely sexual uh, Sexuality In his second life I just can't get The idea of him Sucking Michael's dick Out of my head Yeah uh, I mean that sounds fun But I, it's, I get why It's not fun for you At this moment Yeah I told my boyfriend To go kiss someone On a vacation mm. He's
2: on right now A man And he oh. and he was like No <laughs> <laughs>
1: Are you sure?
2: I said, just give him a little smooch. I said, give him him a a little smooch.
1: You want to go give him a little smooch? (laughs) Part of me is slightly turned on by this thought, but most of me is disgusted. I feel guilty for feeling this way, and I don't want to feel grossed out by this thought, but it was just such a shock. I feel like I need time to adjust. Hmm. Initially, I was very mean and upset, but once the initial shock wore off, I calmed down and I let him know it's completely fine to be bisexual, but the cheating is unacceptable and I wish he would have been open with me. I come from a very abusive relationship previously, both physically and mentally. So for him to go behind my back, uh, knowing this entire time feels like such such a betrayal. I feel even more betrayed because he talked about his bisexuality with Michael and Michael urged him to confide in me, but he didn't. Michael and his wife are in an open relationship and she is aware uh, as well so I feel like the only idiot in the dark and it's embarrassing alright you gotta get over that but we'll we'll get to that later I can sort of understand why he wanted to keep this hidden given his upbringing and the way he tries to carry himself but I don't understand why he couldn't tell me we tell each other everything well you shouldn't despite the issues in our sex life prior to the situation we've been talking about marriage and children for some time now we are truly best friends <clears throat> <laughs> and, have tons, and have tons in common. We love each other's family and we were uh, saving to purchase our first home but after this I feel like I just can't trust him. He swears he was never physical with anybody and that this is purely for self-pleasure but I just don't know if I fully believe him, mm-hmm. I don't either, girl. Yeah, uh, he has already reached out to Michael to tell him he was able to come clean to me and would no longer be communicating with him. Yeah, right. <laughs> and has scheduled an appointment with a new therapist who specializes in this type of behavior. What the, what's Hopefully the behavior? They're a conversion therapy. Yeah, what's the behavior? Get like I don't know dick. who I am or like what I want, and I don't go after what I really, truly, genuinely want. Yeah, I don't.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I is, I hope he's going because of, like of the whole withholding stuff from you, and not for the bisexual yeah because I'm, that, you don't need therapy i'm for a little that. scared like when it, when it's like vaguely
1: saying like this behavior okay But just a little more so. But again, after keeping such a huge secret and a part of his identity from me for years, I don't know what to believe. I feel betrayed, lost and confused. I sure I'm sure he feels the same way. But I at some point I have to worry about myself and my own well-being since the old phone was discovered and he came clean. We have reconciled. He claims he absolutely loves me and still wants to be with me to build a future we once planned. And he has expressed how sorry he is. Though we are attempting to work through it, I can't help but still feel uneasy. That's your gut. We went from talking about marriage a few weeks ago to rebuilding trust from the ground up. Part of me feels like I'll get over it and we can take this opportunity to be fully open and make our sex life slash relationship better than ever. But the other part of me thinks I'll just continue to find out more, get hurt again, and waste more time and effort on him. He has had a pattern of not always following through with what he says he'll do in the past, which worries me. Sounds this, like husband material. Because this, will require, uh, me because this will require a lot of therapy, devotion, and work for the rest of his life. Since finding out we've actually been having really great set, hot sex again. Because he's thinking of Michael. Exactly. <laughs> I'm excited to fulfill slash incorporate these fantasies in our bedroom routine now that I know his true sexual identity.
2: Hi, ah! I'm Michael. <laughs> she has a day. Hey,
3: mister. You hey. want to come fuck <laughs> this Michael,
1: but I want to be open and accepting of his newfound identity, but I do worry about indulging too much and feeding the beast in, in the instance it causes him more problems at, because after reading up on sex addiction, I do believe he suffers from Me this. Doesn't. I, no, every he doesn't. He just wants to fuck Michael. And every he man be who gets caught is
2: like, i got a problem. Every
1: oh, man. I just can't commit. I just
2: love having sex with other women and men so much. Dude, my ex right in the beginning when when he wouldn't commit like, and I and I. Gave him an ultimatum and wa- and actually came went through on my ultimatum and just walked away from the relationship. Came begging, crawling back a couple days later, telling me he had a
1: sex addiction. Yeah, my god, <laughs> <it's, it's, it's laughs> bullshit! You can't. Uh, I have so many conflicting feelings, and I just can't get this out of my brain. I worry that too much damage is done. You're right. I plan on seeking therapy as well, but I can't. But I can take all the advice or resources I can get. As always, appreciate. Uh, you for all of you do your podcast has really helped me navigate through many life situations sincerely a loyal fucker um, I think Michael needs to discover who he is for the first time in his life and I don't think you can do that with a partner I think Michael might be gay girl and and Michael, I know you deserves, think I... Michael deserves the opportunity <laughs> mm-hmm. to figure out who he really is as do you I feel like maybe you know a little bit more but also you, you overlooked some shit and yeah I, I don't think a relationship starting out There's already so much betrayal and so much lying, which, you know, that happens, right? And I'm not saying you can never get over that. I think you could. But I... I I want Michael to live his best gay life. I think he's probably going to be gay. But he deserves to give himself the opportunity to find that out with no rules. He's not disappointing anybody except himself in whatever journey that he would like to take. So I think your boyfriend, I think you guys should break up. And I think your boyfriend deserves to give his sexuality like a a fair try. But you got to just explore that on your own. What I find interesting is...
2: I, I need a little more explorela- exploration into this relationship between him and Michael. The fact that he's 28 now and he's still like having like this constant chat with this guy, this Michael guy who has been so open with his wife. I don't fucking believe Michael either. I think they're two mm-hmm. long lost mm-hmm. gay lovers Ooh, and that and that Michael's uh, friend also got married because oh, of the shit. environment that he grew up in and Word. he's just like, listen, I'm going to just tell my wife I'm bi. And yeah. 20, you know, it's 2022 you and you yes. can do that Kind of thing and again I'm not saying That I'm not at all trying to erase Bisexuality or say that it's not a real Thing but what I what I am saying Is that if you're Bisexual you you can just be openly Bisexual yeah exactly It's uh, it's weird the Alarms are going off because of the Hidden nature of this and then when you Found the phone how he offered An excess of information Yeah yeah he's too
1: defensive It's he's too defensive and I think he's Sitting on his own secrets and I think that the only way he will uncover them is if he's alone. I think you need to sit him down though and be like, listen, like,
2: are you, like, and I have a serious conversation about, like, do you, have you ever felt like you might be gay? Are you attracted to, like, I think it has to, you have to, like, go in a little harder. Not, not like, Interrogating him, but I mean you do you do he deserve certainly, answers about where you
1: stand. Um I don't know that you're gonna get the sexual. right answer. I, was so say the I same don't thing. think I don't think he has interrogated himself and that's what he needs to do. I don't think a, I mean, a conversation, of course, needs to happen, but I don't think you're gonna get honest answers from him because I don't know that he's capable of giving honest answers yet because he has not been living truthfully this whole time.
2: I think he knows in his gut though he's old like twenty-eight, twenty you know he knows if he wants to fuck women or not he knows show, yeah. him the, show him episode three of season two of euphoria and see yeah, how he reacts <laughs> oh, yeah, to that yeah, 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 see yeah. if a little if a tear is going down his eye during mm-hmm. the during the gay bar scene because but
3: to christina's point even if he knows even if he actually knows that he is gay and him and michael are like long lost that actually sounds very plausible to mm-hmm. me by the way yeah
2: it's it's, it's uh, that that relationship you yeah t- don't just be like oh he's not talking to michael anymore yeah. <laughs> he yeah. loves yeah. for yeah, michael bullshit <laughs> He likes a candle yeah, for Michael at yeah, yeah, yeah. night. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But
3: to Christina's point, do, is he actually gonna admit that? If she if she confronts him about it, I don't know. Let's, he's you not guys, gonna come come clean.
2: You guys know yeah. I'm fucking team breakup all the way, but I wasn't a hundred percent team breakup on this just really? because wow. it didn't it didn't s it's weird. I think it's all about like what you perceive as a problem. And yeah. for me,
1: like, well, I think bisexuality, that's a, I, right. I think that's hot. Right. But if he's truly bisexual. I, don't, I just
2: don't buy that. Part. Right. Right.
1: It, 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 the part that bothers me, I, whoever I'm with, I want them to know who they are. Yeah. Okay. And, my boy, are. And, th- and your boyfriend does not know who he is yet. And also
2: ask yourself, because it seems like it seems like you're OK with the concept of bisexuality, but it doesn't seem you're like you're OK with the concept of non monogamy. And like as the email went on, we're talking about therapy and stuff. And it does seem to me like he is actually going to going to therapy to try to fix the need to fuck a man, and let me tell you, that's not going to go away. I know he's saying no one, no. I there,
1: wish it would.
2: There's no one on the planet for Who's me. like I just need to suck a dick, but that's all I need because then you suck the dick and then First, you want other suck like, the dick. I don't believe that the for a, dick a second.
1: of you, and then it's you know playing with the dick like it's a puppet while you know Post-coital and Yet, then all of a sudden he's you're gay. Placating you because he's scared
2: of of losing you because you feel like his foundation, and you feel probably in a in, a, in this unexplored life that feels very new and scary you are old and homey and I mean that in a nice (laughs) way I know I mean I mean that in a nice way I know it sounded not nice um but
1: get that old pussy over here (laughs) uh, I I
2: do think the life that you want to lead is a little bit more traditional especially with your past traumas a lot of time that feels a lot more comfortable and secure and you deserve that and so rather than thinking of like I put all this time and effort into him he's not a fucking house that you're rebuilding we we constantly make this mistake as women he's not a project you didn't didn't waste time you had this amazing sexual partner who was your best friend and he can still be your friend but like you know he he, he, like obviously the friendship. Trip wasn't as deep as you thought it was. If he was had this huge part of himself that he felt like he couldn't share with you until he was put between a rock and a hard a, a hard place, and the and hard, hard place was
1: Michael's cock. Yes.
3: right. So, so still be friends, and then you know him and Michael can invite you over for dinner. Yeah, uh, at their you know he's so, their lovely just, terrace in the backyard.
1: Yeah. If there's well one thing that you garden. take from this,
2: just know that he's fucking loves Michael. Yeah, yes. that's the yes. most important and thing you take from this. And
1: he owes it to himself to explore that yeah he owes it to himself and you owe it to yourself to have a partner that doesn't keep things from you like that yeah it's a you, big one you can be fucking mad
2: about it too yeah don't like you don't just because someone needs to f- come and get in touch with their sexuality doesn't mean that they have, they have to fucking
1: screw you over so you and, can be and, mad yeah and don't and don't let him fall on the well i don't know myself well get to know yourself mister you're Bitch 20 old, you're if 29 you're a, a woman you'd be kicked out of the playboy mansion by yeah. now yeah you you, you'd together. be barren
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right you'd be a nana
1: Today's episode of Guys We Fucked is brought to you by Quince. I love Quince. Imagine upgrading your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high-quality items priced within reach. I love this website. I'm on it right now. They have suitcases. They have things for babies and kids. They have men. They have They have home. I love a home section. Oh, my God. And the products are gorgeous. Like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, okay? Organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, because I do have tops that are silk. And I do wash them, and then they disintegrate, but not on Quince. Okay. the best part of all, all items are priced 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands. Okay. I love I have this beautiful hunter green purse from Quince that I love and use every day. Their bags are gorgeous. Indulge in affordable luxury. Just go to Quince.com slash GWF for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash GWF to get free shipping and three hundred sixty five day returns. Quince.com slash GWF.
2: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Guys, we talk a lot about therapy on this show, so you know we are big therapy advocates. Whether it's like a a small question uh, about something that's going on in your relationship or a big question like, should I move across the country to take this job? Sometimes it just helps to have someone not invested in the outcome, i.e. not friends or family or your intimate partner invested in the outcome to talk it through. It also takes the burden off a lot of other people in your life and you know, reminds them that you love them just for being them, not because you are their free therapist. It's a great thing to learn coping skills, how to set boundaries, and it kind of just makes you the best version of yourself. Like we are all given a version of ourselves, why not make it the best version it can be? So, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient flexible and suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And then you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Because remember, therapy is like dating. If you don't like therapy, it really might mean that you don't like your therapist. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash guys today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com H-E-L-P slash guys. Betterhelp.com
0: slash guys. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy and anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio discover more shows and movies for free
4: as someone who lives for politics when a major scandal unfolds it was shocking i have to know what were they thinking
1: Come see us live. Come see us live, you guys. Uh, New Jersey, I'm headlining Bananas Comedy Club in Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey, February 25th and the 26th for four shows. Portland, Oregon, I'm headlining Helium, March 3rd through the 5th. Baltimore, Maryland, uh, I'm going to be at Magoobies, March 24th through the 26th. Five shows total for both of those weekends and if you haven't already uh, I have a solo podcast called the voices in our heads uh, there is 89 episodes available for free on iTunes and I've continued the podcast on my patreon which is patreon.com slash Christina Hutchinson and you can find all these episodes and also um, my woo-woo shit that I'm getting into there's a lot of recommendations for videos and I post videos of uh, personal moments in my life that I do want to share but only with a small group uh, like me finding out that um, I was was a sperm donor baby i have that on camera because i thought of it originally it was a joke and then you see very clearly that no it wasn't <laughs> And then for me,
2: uh, I'm taking a break for a couple months from touring. But in April, I'll be back on the road. Fort Collins, Colorado, I'll be at the Comedy Fort, April 15th and 16th. Those tickets are officially on sale now because I pressured them. I made them put them up and people have already been buying tickets. And apparently Fort Collins, Colorado, big hub of coolness. Had no idea, but I'm excited to go. You guys know I love Colorado. And then my podcast with Shane Smith, who you've heard on this podcast, is Without a Country. Um, while you're on YouTube subscribing to the guys we fuck channel, go over and subscribe to the without a country channel. Again, it's free and you get full video of me and Shane talking about politics and roasting. Politicians every week It's fun And also At the very least If this is the only motivation you have It'll give you a lot of fodder To talk about On all those dates That you're going on So you don't just have to talk about You know I don't know Lipstick I don't know What what, what everyone talks lipstick. about on, on dates I'm not sure I'm not sure But it'll be It'll be good it, It's like a way to ingest things That are happening in the world And important Without making you want to Blow your brains
1: out mm-hmm. And uh, if you don't already Follow us on social media Our, our duo account is At guys we Without the you and fucked That's for YouTube And TikTok as well i am at christina hutch and i'm at philanthropy gal yeah. uh and michael
3: i'm at mike Coscarelli. Me?
1: oh
0: cute
1: uh um i i just wanted to say um if anybody out there listening has ever purchased a fart in a jar <laughs> can you please email us i'm fucking obsessed with this i am so obsessed with this thing because you know women are taught to be so much that we're not Uh, and, and, and the fact that there are men that buy farts and jars from women, I almost don't believe it, but there's a woman that was making six figures a year from, from putting her fart in a jar. Farts in jars and then mailing them to men. So please, I won't out you. I won't. Put, you can make a fake email if you want. You don't have to. I'm not going to fucking say your name. We have a lawyer, Chad, who like looks over everything and tells us to bleep it out. So yeah, Chad won't let your farts I out. I couldn't, Trust couldn't out you if I tried. Um, but I want to hear. I'm calling for submissions. Do you fart in jars or do you buy farts in jars? I want to talk to both people. I want to hear from you. What is it? I don't want to shame you. I'm just so curious. I'm so curious. And on the next episode, Christina starts a small business. Possibly. (laughs) I'm farting anyway. But it's so funny. Like men don't want chicks farting in front of them, but they'll buy. I mean, it's a very niche. I imagine a niche group of men will buy the farts in the jars. It sure is. Men,
2: <laughs> men like being demeaned though There's like There's a big There's a big Lot of money in like Being demeaned
1: Right Like a pay yeah. pig yeah, yeah. yeah Like yeah, a yeah, sub
3: yeah. dumb Sort Absolutely. of thing And that yeah. I get
1: That I get <laughs> Absolutely but I, I don't know anything about farts in jars and i want you to open up my world and tell me about it so please sorry about last night show at gmail.com i'm dying to fucking figure this out mm,
2: subject line could be like fart in a jar jar yeah. of farts
1: farty fart toot toot <laughs> poot, poot, <laughs> we'll get whatever it. it's
3: just something in the ballpark <laughs> we'll, yeah. yeah
1: we'll figure it out please yeah i mean we've asked for crazier stories so please reach out oh how are you man. oh great another re-
2: <sighs> really good friend from high school dropped dead oh Hey everyone, we wow. can't, we cannot stop. Honestly, at a certain point, I don't like to make things about me, even though I know people think I do. But like at a certain point, you go, "What's going on here?" Right? This right. Is a Little wild. I've yeah. it's a it's, it's a large amount of people in their 20s and 30s, and I guess a couple people in their 40s just dropping. It's not normal. It's not normal. So yeah, I don't. I've only been to one funeral in my life. Yeah. Oh gosh. Uh. <laughs> yeah. This. So is, yeah. This is yeah. This is like someone. This was a, fr- a good friend of mine. Um, oh, so I used sorry. to go over his house all the time in high oh. school. I feel like he's. I feel like I can credit with him. He's the person who like taught me. He would later later come out as gay, but like add, add him to the list of gay people I, I kiss. But um, <laughs> uh, and I knew he was gay at the time, but I was just like I need to learn how to kiss and like I don't. Want, That's I, perfect. I'm nervous trying on a, a a guy that I'm actually like have feelings for it and could possibly have feelings for me. So right. I do recommend if anyone is open and willing in your life who's bisexual or gay and will. Uh, entertain it. it. We'll entertain it. Like it's a. It, w- it was great. He was making out. Very soft, delicate kisser. I felt very, Ooh. very safe. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, really a a part of my sexual history here. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I oh. mean, it's just like every like politics to me, and I was like, oh, are you fucking kidding me right now? But it's also like people who I've had like really weird. Ex- I have a series of people who I've had really like deep, like almost private, weird experiences with um, who have been through like a lot of emotional turmoil and who reach out to me. And this is long before, guys, we fucked. Obviously, I have a pattern and it continues. Um, But there's just like there's just something about i don't know it it truly feels like that's the scene in in the little mermaid where like the lost souls but i mean i'm not ursula because ursula is doing bad shit to them but i do feel like a lot of like really like people who are really like trying to figure out who they are and maybe not not figuring it out in the right way like reach out to me and we have these moments but like i also can't i can't then Take care of these people for the rest of my my life, and then what do you like? What do you do? And then they, you know, ultimately all end up dead.
1: Oh, so is this a person from, that
2: uh, drugs uh, or suicide advice? Advice or something? Or yeah, I mean, it's in addition
1: to the experiences. It's that you someone have? who
2: over the years has I've you know had to distance myself from because they were obviously reaching reaching out to me in a mentally unstable. Thing and that's and that's just like such a common theme in my life with so many of my friends, really a lot of friends from from my hometown, mm. um, to the point where like it gets scary. I'm scared for mm. myself. I'm scared for them, and then they end up in a coffin. So right, right, right,
1: right. You right. know,
2: it's just a, it's a lot of uh, you feel, it's like how
1: do you process that? You, how does one process? Well, that?
2: because you want to be there for the people, but I also I can't put myself in danger. I can I'm only one person. I, I can't extend. You know, I try to extend. Help but I'm also I'm not a mental professional I'm also going through my own Shit um and so It's just weird to have like this these Series of people who I was very close with at times End up dead and then have all These like you know, have weird voicemails from them or Uh, weird messages that I've gotten over the years or text messages. And obviously when you kind of do something that puts you in the public eye, people reach out to you a little bit more, but that's not, that's not the case with many of these people. These are people who, you know, were close and reached out to me long before I had anything to offer anyone besides just, you know, a friendly, a friendly shoulder. Um, Mm. but, uh, yeah. So I was like, this is, it's getting like super weird at this point. Mm. Um, so yeah, and then I wrote this which I, I and I thought I was going to know what that um stood for, SC. Oh, I remember what it stood for. I wrote SC and I was like I was like <laughs> that that is a note that means strip club. Oh, I was <laughs> oh, like boy. I was like what? So, you know, uh, rest in peace, Anthony. I don't know really what to say about that. I'm still processing that, but I just was like Jesus Christ, and this theme of death that is overwhelming. Um and then I get like really crazy and I think like all these people are like haunting me. But you know, I mean, I don't know. If they haunted you in real life, do they continue to haunt you in, in the afterlife? Maybe. Probably to say sorry. Like, I'm sorry, not girl. sure. Sorry,
1: I haunted it's you. Not in the sorry. It's
2: not it, about sorry. It's there is a certain sense of like, again, I don't really, like, guilt is kind of like a, a feeling that has, there's no, n- there's no reward or goal or anything with, with guilt. But there is this sense of like, uh, you know, if people reach out to you over the years and they're people that you were close with, but then they start to scare you and then like three, you know, plus of them end up dead. And like, is there something I'm doing wrong? Is there something do I should I be reaching back out to these people, even if their mental health scares me, scares me or yeah. they're doing something for themselves? I don't know. The answer I mean, uh, I'm well, kind of no, just at the end of the day, yeah but. yeah.
1: but at the end of the day, though, it's just like, you know, with uh, when a when a parent is acting like the child is the parent. Uh, and it, but it's and it's always like it's not your responsibility to parent your parents. Yeah, it, no, it's, it's not. not your, and it's not your responsibility as a as a friend to 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 be in charge or or the leading the leading driving force behind this person getting mental health. No,
2: of course not. And th- these are not people that I just like. I, I didn't ghost any of these people. It's just people that I, I over the years had to distance myself from slowly. Yeah. Um, and you know, and it's all a lot. A big part of it in most of these cases is they weren't. You know, they weren't people who I thought were taking their mental health seriously, still getting into like a lot of drugs and shit, which like I, I just don't drugs is just a hard no for me. Honestly, like I have I've dated a lot of people who used to use drugs, but like beyond pot, I'm like I'm or psychedelics, obviously, which is different. It's like just an, it's just like a heart. It's just not something I'm ever going to deal with or tolerate or ab- just an absolute no for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, we all have our boundaries and our hard outs and our hard nose. Uh, Maybe
1: they're reaching out to you because they know that uh, of all people you would care
2: Oh, I think also some maybe like a sense of stability, but it just fe- it feel at a certain point. So many people with a certain thing going on in their life um, reach out, reach out to you and you go, OK, well, there's obviously something about me that is drawing in this energy. Yeah. And I mean, if we want to get really woo-woo, it does go back to like past lives like this is this is apparently been happening for like lives and excited because like i was exploring like was i someone who was And it's like never no, me but switched. i always like to hang out i always like to hang out with people who are going through something or 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 roughing things up or who are kind of shunned by society like that's always the group that i like to hang in which stands true to today even though i don't feel that way about myself i always like to hang in those circles Anyway, mm. this is just, mm. just kind of something I'm talking out out loud right now because I literally just learned this like in the past like forty-eight hours. Jeez. Um but yeah, uh and then I've been like super depressed lately and like I just really needed to go out and I so I went out drinking on uh Saturday night because I have like literally only like one night that I can go out, which is Saturday nights, and that's the only day I don't have to work up wake up early for work the next morning um in my week and yeah, so we went out. Christina w- was there for part of it. You know, Justin Silver, Ryan Long, Danny Palaszczuk, all the people, Dylan, of course, uh and then we did we were kind of talking about going to a strip club mm-hmm. When we were did you with guys you. end up going and we did end Yay. up going that night we were you know we closed that strip club down but it was so funny it was actually a good experience because we went to the, uh, the it's the same like umbrella company but we went to the different location the one that i'm more familiar with and it was fucking i mean we showed up at 2 a.m this strip club was wall-to-wall what <gasps> but that's oh, not necessarily, tell me afterwards i want to go that's not that's it wasn't there wasn't a room like it was oh, too wow. much. Uh, it was too uh, much in manhattan yeah it was too much oh. people and then, I mean, I was fine with it. I'm, I'm just kind of like, I was like very much like, go f- with the flow along yeah. with the ride. No expect I don't have like, expectations when I go to a strip club. I mean, probably because I'm a heterosexual woman and I just don't really give a shit. Yeah. Um, you just want to have fun. But like, obviously, Dylan, the bar had been set so high from his like ideal first trip to the strip club. <laughs> and so it was kind of, I was kind of like bummed because it was obviously like not of as good of experience. Like it was like, you know, it was like more like you're getting, you know, there's nowhere to sit. There's no room. People right. aren't paying as much attention to you. We had to use this like. A literal drug dealer that I think my friends are indipitously new to get in in the first place who we just <laughs> met in line in a Balenciaga sweater you know so all these things are cool. happening so new york but i was like this is good though because like that is one thing i think dylan needs to get used to it's like he i think it's he's had a lot of like really like positive experiences like just thrown at him <laughs> and i do i do feel like it's like made him kind of a brat in a lot of ways yeah. and like as pa- as part of like my bitterness coming from the fact that like i didn't grow up rich and i don't get to go on free, free ski trips to utah and i don't just like walk around like taking perfect pictures all the time yes and i have t- totally open with all these things about him but i still think it's like interesting you know I'm like I'm like yeah you know big Jay Okerson didn't like fucking walk me through the door of the cellar the first time I like went there so all these things it's like you know at a certain point you're like oh man I'm like an- this is like annoying right um so not that I wish ill on him and I t- and I totally don't I like want I want his life to be good but I also don't want to date someone who has had like a life without challenge right and like he didn't he didn't like he didn't have like a night as nights of a childhood as I did or anything like that but he also like you know he wasn't getting like beat or something so right Um, but uh yeah it was just interesting to see someone experience something that had been so idealistic the first time around (laughs) and then see it kind of without rose-colored glasses oh man (laughs) made me fucking laugh a little bit i love seeing people get served with a dose of reality like it really brings me satisfaction and i know that's fucked up and i don't care so it's funny you should have reality is what makes you learn and grow i mean you have to have that well especially when he reacts by basically having a tantrum and then he, and then he gets mad at me because i said I, I told him not to have a tantrum in front of the stripper and then he got embarrassed but then d- did i pay for a love dance and did he go take it yeah of course <laughs> <laughs> of
3: course you really should for <laughs> his first time you should have taken him to like one of the jersey strip clubs oh, like delilah's gosh. and tom, River, tom well it was River, very unplanned. Like you invite afraid me on that to trip? go
1: oh i haven't yeah i mean also, i haven't been to, to a strip in like club years but planned but, out or no you don't do that I want to go to a strip club with you guys, but I I just want to like know that I'm up for a bit long night, so I can. Mentally well, we prepare. kind
2: of had planned. I guess the time I went with John Campanelli and Esther Pavitsky. but I mean, when I say, say planned, it was like probably like twelve hours of planning. Yeah, that's because me honestly, and John an were working in the strip strip store together, right. and then he was like, "Oh, well, do, do you guys want to go to a strip club? We could
3: do like a team, out, so like it wasn't yeah, C- a team outing? outing. That'd be fun. That would be
1: fun. Yeah, we yeah. should do that. We should go to one in Jersey. Yeah, that'd be. Kind of I'm fun. telling
3: you, the one in, the one in Tom's River. You are afraid. <laughs> Tom's that there's River. Like, wow. Really That's far. where
1: Jaywell lives.
3: Yeah, I mean that's that's where lived in. Italy. That was the first trip script club I ever went to, wow. and it was just like I remember being in there thinking like this place could get shot up at any. Oh, moment. I don't want
1: to go to that. It's well, just I mean, like, I guess any club. It just gives but... you
3: this vibe. There's like it's like carpeted. It's like <laughs> it's just like so like yeah, bowling like eh. alley carpet. That's yeah, funny. yeah.
1: <laughs> that's so interesting.
2: And then the last thing I just wanted to kind of talk about quickly, although it's not a story that we sh- you should by any means like gloss over. Um, but it's kind of like you know go on and read more about this yourself. Um. Um, So there's a woman named Lauren Smith Fields, um, and she uh, was found dead in a bed with her uh, bumble date. Uh, and this this is all happening in Connecticut. The Bumble date was dead as well? No, 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 no. Oh. no. She was found... I'm putting in quotes because, like, me thinks he murdered her. Oh, but, oh, oh I see, I see. Um, it's, it's interesting because it's a, a white man. He's 37 and a black woman. She's 23 and she was found dead. And uh, this happened on December 12th, but now it's kind of... Their family has been coming forward because they basically think because she's a black woman, he's a white man, that the case was mishandled. Mm. Even in this Daily Mail article and Daily Mail keep in mind is a UK publication and this happened in the US and you know Daily Mail not always my favorite but this but was... is this getting any coverage well, in the United States yes it is okay good. but this, this specifically I'm using this article because uh, someone online use this article as an example of uh, like ra- racial inequality uh, and also I think there's also gender problems here uh, but it says uh, exclusive pictured design engineer 37 that's the white guy whose bumble date 23 died in her bloodstained bed next to him after a night of drinking Ooh. and just the wording of that so like this guy who let's be honest probably fucking murdered her probably had something yeah. to do with her death is being named by his occupation and then she's just yeah. some bumble D- bumble date and they also pointed out that he is like in this like serious hiking outfit and they put a p- picture of in her a, in a, in, a bikini, oh, in a bikini uh in a bikini yeah. on this article and so the family has been speaking out a lot and um in Connecticut and saying that um the police mis- mishandled it uh she-, she died on December 12th at her apartment in Bridgeport Connecticut where she and Matthew Law fa- Fountain had spent the night drinking her cause of death is not known I what mean, the fuck it- it's known. She, she woke up in her own blood. Oh right. And then, so there's... God. So we're still this... Now, now Jesus. We're, now fuck. we're this late into January. And as you know, you know from watching any true crime or Dude. special victims unit, the longer you let a case go, there's... Every, fu- it's t- time for people to clean up. People also, people to hide things. Things to, to, to go unlooked after. Obvi- how much
1: fucking DNA was not swiped up in the right way. <sighs> like it's fucked. It's really fucked and, up. And it, and it makes me fucking think, oh yeah. my God. Not that this person didn't... Not that this case didn't deserve any attention, but... Jesus Christ Gabby Petito there's fucking fan Instagram accounts for this woman we know about that missing persons the second it fucking happened and then this woman a young black woman it's we're just now finding out well, there is a lo- there the is case. a lot, there are a lot of articles about this, but, okay. it, but it's basically
2: I've not heard of it. the problem is like there was such a, there are was such a gap. Yeah. In, a gap
1: in time. And I remember when the Gabby Petito case came out, there was all these people going, hey, there have been Native American women missing for decades yeah. and it happens all the time and no one got an article written about them. What the fucking shit? Well, I think right, unfortunately, oh, I think God.
2: like the, the thing is like not that we should be writing more articles about missing people. I think it's kind of like we should just like stop glorifying the missing like white women and that's so hard to say but it's like i think people don't understand how many people go missing on uh, on an average if the the number is
1: if they had a a count like they had the amount of covid cases during the pandemic where they were like a fucking ticker and to remind us about who was getting covid at every second of the day if we actually kept track of how many women are missing in america you would be probably very disgusted and appalled yeah and i wish that there was some honest reporting with that
2: yeah and like this, so really this is gross, like, man. It, it goes while spending the night with her uh, Lafountain that's the man reportedly woke up around 6:30 a.m. and found Smith Fields lying on her right side Bullshit, with blood dude. coming out of her right nostril and Bullshit. not breathing he breathing he then called 911 okay so even okay. if this is true okay. even if maybe even if the wildest case scenario, she she took some kind of a drug that went badly in her system. But just the mm. fact that this wasn't fully invest, investigated, that we don't have like a toxicology report, that they're, that they're just believing his word. Um, it mm. said uh, he told Rolling Stone that they found they found a used condom in. Okay, so what is this? Okay, um, also alleges that they blah blah blah. blah. So apparently. Um, like they, yeah they found a used condom in the trash in the apartment bloody lubricant bloody sheets on her bed and an unidentified pill in the unit
1: what the fucking vague shit is that the, the, so the point
2: is just really what? that everyone you know deserves um a full investigation yeah. a proper investigation everyone deserves for you know their god you know forbid murder to be handled seriously by the police and you never want to think that you didn't get the justice that you and your family deserve because you're black in the person that you decided to go on a date with was white so anyway i think this is just something to like that we all need to as women and people keep our eyes on keep following this case the same way that we did follow the gabby petito case um and make sure that justice is served especially because this is something that's happening right in our own country right in fucking our neck of the woods bridgeport connecticut again it's lauren smith fields so yeah just wanted to like turn your attention towards
1: that okay so our guest now, on to our guest. She is a former news anchor on CNN and CNBC. She is a New York Times bestselling author of Rich Bitch, Boss Bitch, and Becoming Superwoman. Her new book, Miss Independent, comes out on February 1st. It's now available. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Nicole Lappin. I've
2: been
0: looking. Yeah
1: We are here with Nicole Lavin, author of Miss Independent, a simple 12-step plan to start investing and grow your own wealth. Um, I love, I love this. I don't even know what this page is called because it's, it's not the dedication page, but you said, don't marry rich, be rich. And I mean, epigraphs to live by. Truly, truly. <laughs> um, what is, you, wh- what kind of financial background did you come from? Like what was, what's your experience with finances from a young age? No background. Zero. Whatsoever. Okay. Zero. Were you a broke zero. bitch? I was a broke bitch. I was a total
5: broke bitch. I was, like, broker than a broke bitch. I was the brokest bitch in
1: all the land. How broke <laughs> <And> were you? <laughs> like, what are we talking here?
5: We're talking, like, brown rice and beans diet because it felt fancier than ramen. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Got you.
1: Yeah. So, And how did this and, interest come about?
5: Well, my parents were immigrants, and so... Like a lot of first-generation Americans, we didn't talk about money growing up at all. And so I was clueless. My boyfriend in high school said he wanted to be a hedge fund manager. I thought he wanted to be in gardening. Like, (laughs) next-level clueless. Like Sonic the
0: Hedgehog? Yeah.
5: Yeah, exactly. And so I needed a job when I was 18, and I lied and said that I knew about finance. Yes. And I didn't. And I figured it out. And I realized it's not that serious.
1: That's so funny. Yeah,
5: we did a financial
2: series. We do that all the time. We tell people to lie. Four guys we fucked, and one of the main things I said was to lie, like not a crazy lie, but like a little lie on your resume, because I feel like uh, men tend to oversell themselves and women tend to undersell themselves, and so we're kind of only getting, you know, uh, tend to get like exactly the job that we uh, are have the background for, when in reality we should be aiming a little higher, and exactly like we can learn. We can meet whatever the needs of The job are like you know I, I, I always look at it and I'm like eh, if I know like some of the programs that they need you To know I'm like okay this is enough and I'll learn the other Ones when I get there you know yes. if I know what some of the words mean I'm fine I'll figure it out just like I have figured everything else Else out before so yes. Like can you can you walk us through I think is like That's easier said than done so can you walk us through Like th- how The first couple weeks or months at that, that Job was and and what you did to Catch yourself up
5: I was freaked out every single day. I broke out into hives. I put Maxi Panda under my armpits with that one Ann Taylor blazer that
1: I owned. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, you get your least stained piece of clothing and you wear the shit out of it. Mm -hmm. That's exactly
5: right. (laughs) And I was freaked out and I was so intimidated by... All the guys, they were all guys on the floor of the exchange. I worked at the Merck in Chicago before I worked there. I thought it was a mall. It is not a mall. (laughs) It is the stock exchange in Chicago. And, And honestly, it was Wolf of Wall Street style. Back in the day, you know, that's 20 years ago, and... The guys there, you know, did a lot of the stuff that you saw in the movie. It's not so much the case anymore because they now use it more as the backdrop for business news networks. But, like, I would be doing a report and some guy would have a shitty day and would pick me up and move me. Like, that That was real life. Yeah. 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 And then they'd throw money, just cash everywhere. In the office? Yeah. It was wild. And then I had, like, sort of a dress code i guess there were only three women there and the women's restroom was super super tiny it was like a closet (laughs) that's how you could tell the men's restroom was huge golden toilet and walking in i couldn't wear heels that were higher than kitten heels uh there Mm. was a certain number of like fingers above the knee that my skirt couldn't be like i was in catholic school or some shit did the men have a dress code no They all wore their damn, uh, you know, trader's jackets with the numbers on it and stuff like that. Wow. Wow. They did not, but I did. Wow, 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 wow.
2: So wasn't it so it wasn't an inclusive environment is what you so saying. So not welcoming. Not welcoming. <laughs>
5: yeah, definitely. Yeah, very equal everybody, you know, <laughs> just sat around in Kumbaya at lunch and didn't, you know, have wild ragers, which was true. I mean, it I learned a lot. I definitely went to the school of hard knocks and you know, by being intimidated, it forced me to work Harder yeah. and finally learn the language and then speak it to the world like casually. I so I never imagined I would be teaching other people how to speak this language. I was like the least likely person to be a finance anything. So you like, learned get from get my the ground up, life together. Yeah, yeah,
1: completely. you really learned like gorilla style, like just fucking get in there, get hurt get there. Seems like there's some harassment, there's some fucking uh, archaic rules, and you just had to go, fuck that shit. I'm learning this. I had no choice
5: too. And you know, there's no shame in getting a job for money. There's a lot yeah. of entrepreneurial experts and whatever out there now that will say, go out and do what you love, this great resignation, YOLO, FOMO, whatever you. <laughs> and I'm like, listen. I didn't have a trust fund. Like, I didn't have anyone paying my bills. I needed a job. If if it were up to me, I would have been a poet. I started as a creative writing major, like sitting under a tree, hugging trees and, you know, reading Tolstoy. Writing
1: love poems. Yeah.
5: Thanks. Sonnets. (laughs) Whatever. But no, that's not how life happened for me. So I became a writer, just not the kind I expected. I had the same job. I turned that into my dream job because I didn't have the luxury to go out and, you know, And I feel
1: like like if you took if you take like standard or old school masculinity and femininity, like what are little boys taught? What are little girls taught? And little boys are taught, you know, provide, be pro- be a provider. And it's like you have one goal that's shoved down your throat. And then when you get it, like, yeah, you're going to be like doing cocaine and, 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 and throwing money in the office like that because it's like you had one one order and you did it. And so I get how because I was asking before we started recording, um, there's somewhere in the book. It was like how to make finance fun for women. And I was like, is it fun for men? But it is, I guess. Yeah, there have been studies shown that little
5: boys associate power words with money and little girls so from a very young age associate g- shame guilt mm. scarcity type words with money how interesting
2: mm. wow that is interesting for ourselves and our listeners yeah no i mean I, even you know this is a our listeners just have heard this before but i think like it uh it, it bears repeating because it was like a really disappointing time i think in our career for us when we signed um a, you know this very uh lucrative deal with luminary You know, we expected so many people to rejoice with us and instead they basically got angry at us that we were now you know charging money for this thing that we had given away for free for so long and I think after a a while talking about it they realized that not only did it make the quality of the product go up and you know us happier and us able to to give more and take care of ourselves more but it was also like the main thing was like it set a financial precedent in podcasting for women yeah and I and it was it it kind of uh, astounded me that that wasn't like clear celebrated and and it wasn't so clear to everyone because to me when I see like you know women winning award a women getting another tv show women hosting a late night show even if I don't like whatever particular piece of art it is I still say yes Someone, we're getting further ahead as a group and it feels like Sometimes people don't see it as that because there's still like this, this person got this thing and I didn't get this thing. It's very, it's a very individualistic mindset.
5: And also there's just so much mind fuckery around money that, you know, I like to tell other women to share what they make. And I go first in all my books. I talk about my salaries. I talk about the advances that I made in the book. I just
0: yeah because then because how do we
1: know what the bar is what, like what for yeah. yeah like what if if i know that it's possible that you're making six figures doing this that i'm like oh then i can go oh okay i can do that too like it's 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 very interesting i'm 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 into woo woo stuff and i'm re i'm reading uh, a lot of books by this um dr caroline mace um she's she, she's a lot of things. She's like a medical intuitive and stuff, but she talks about the chakra systems and she says power and money are in the second chakra. And she had this sentence that I was like, fuck. She goes, if somebody wins the lottery today and tomorrow they can go out in the world and think that they have the power to seduce any human being on this planet. But if you experience a financial trauma, you couldn't find the energy of seduction if somebody had a gun to your head because we equate money and sexuality so hand in hand and you meet these guys there's a few times in my life where i've I, I used to work in like luxury real estate back out uh right out of college as an assistant and um you're around when i'm around people that are billionaires i've been around some billionaires and you're like oh you have different rule like everything is different it's just different for you like that that power and that amount of money is you could truly do anything you wanted to so so it's interesting to see women uh, getting these positions where they're making fucking bank but it's this dance with power that I find very interesting because when Corinne and I started making money I kind of got drunk on the power a little bit just to myself and like um, I i never was responsible with money because no one really taught me how to be and I i didn't understand the concept So, so did you find when you started making money that you had this drunk on power or dance with power, or how did how did you how did you deal with that? No, I
5: haven't had a dance with power. I still have my own financial traumas that I'm figuring out. And a big part of this book is dealing with your own financial traumas because all the math and all the stories we tell ourselves about why we can't do it, how we don't have enough money to start are all BS. The math a fifth grader can do to get your finances together. That's not it. There's something else. There's some enemy between your ears. And it doesn't matter. I mean, I had serious financial traumas. Like I talk about bailing my mother out of jail with cash. Like it gets heavy. And if yours isn't that heavy fine like i'm not mad at you but whatever you're holding on to like needs to get put down and i think there's a combination between Forgiving your former self for what she didn't know and also tough love moving forward. And you can say, you know, just because I didn't know those things, fine, but doesn't mean that's the way it needs to be. And in fact, it's not okay moving forward. And so, yeah, we didn't learn this in school. Yeah, my parents didn't talk to me about it. So, fine, I forgive my former self for the debt she got into and all the stupid decisions she made. But now it's not okay. Like, I have to put my big girl pants on and get it together moving forward. And so, I was. Never drunk on power. I actually always still have an irrational fear of being broke, alone, and homeless. And that's like my own issue. And I work that out in therapy and like <laughs> yeah. I have awareness about it. But, you know, I still work like, you know, I have zero dollars in my bank account. Mm. I feel like that's, that's also like the- being raised by immigrant parents. That's very, yeah, <laughs> that, that like stays with you. <laughs> Totally. And a lot of those
2: things. Are you uh, first generation, too? No, I just have a, like almost all my best friends from childhood are. So I have a lot of experience in first generation homes.
3: New Jersey, though, it's kind of.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're from New. G- Mike says we're from New Jersey. <laughs> so it's, it's kind different, of it's the a same different type thing. of work mentality. <laughs> yeah,
5: totally, totally. And a lot of the things I rejected, you know, around not having a mortgage you know not having a credit card i had a lot of weird embarrassing experiences with money as we all have but you know i rejected those principles for so long and some of them are actually legit not all of them i mean yes you should use debt responsibly but like living below your means is actually good advice. I mean, this whole like living within your means situation is not my favorite. Yeah. So living below your means, I think, is a is not terrible advice. And, you know, I think that's a a journey for all of us. Like when I became vegetarian when I was 11, I asked myself, self, do I like meat? And the answer could have been yes, because that's I was raised on meat. The answer was no. But I think it's that moment for all of us where we have to ask ourselves, like, just because it's been done a certain way, just because my parents clipped coupons and hoarded or spent frivolously or went on vacation or had a housekeeper or, you know, had weird stuff around money doesn't mean that that needs to be my story moving forward. It, may, it just because I've heard don't buy a latte from whatever financial expert doesn't mean that works for me. Maybe it does. But I think everybody needs to ask themselves and have that moment. Yeah. And I mean, I think I, th- I know you're like,
2: you are talking a lot, like specifically to women, because women are talked to so much less in, when it comes to fiscal matters. Um, but what I find like giving advice, like, you know, within comedy, which, which is also uh, a male driven uh, career field. Uh, I, I usually like I told the line between like saying that, you know, women have to kind of uh, navigate the world in the same way that men do and like beat them at their own game. And then there's this other school of thought that It's like, we just need to make this a different environment that is more inviting to women. And like, so how do you see that for the financial world? And and how does that affect how you give your own financial advice?
5: I think it's really important to change our mindset around money. Money is awesome. Money gives us us freedom freedom and and choice. It's empowering. We can leave a shitty power. Like, Money without meaning is just paper, but money with meaning can be everything. So you can leave a shitty relationship because you know, if you're being really honest with yourself. I got a DM this weekend uh, from a woman who said she read my book early and she said, you know, I've been stuck in a relationship and I've been scared to leave because I don't think I can support myself. Sure. And that is a pain point for a lot of women. And we just have to be really honest about it. The only problem we can't fix money or otherwise, but especially money is the one we don't admit we have. So once we admit what that is, that's a first step to any recovery. And so I think reframing your idea around it, not that it's scary, like this idea, that women are upset that guys ask them to sign prenups like what the actual f like i have my prenup ready to go i was gonna say prenup is a wise
1: decision
5: totally or you you know it's letting the state decide uh if you're not gonna do it but whatever you're scared of that's what you should double click on and so reframing money as like this opportunity to go out and leave a crappy job and actually have your own back. Having your own back is awesome. Money can buy awesome things. And so I don't know why we've been told otherwise, but for whatever reason that is, it's time to change the narrative.
2: Yeah. Because I think I especially, I, I sp- you know, when you're spending a lot of time on Instagram, as I think a lot of us did during quarantine, you know, it, it's kind of like the people in the middle that people uh, that uh, people get mad at, like watching. It's like that watching that you know almost Cinderella moment. And I'm like, well, isn't that kind of like the American dream, like coming into money? Because people don't seem to get mad at like, you know, the Kardashians when you're when you're wa- looking at their Instagram and like we would make fun of them almost if they weren't having these, you know, 200, 300, $400,000 birthday parties for their children. But when kind of people in the m- middle, like leave one tax bracket for the next one, that's when the venom starts to hit. And I find that so interesting. I'm like, this person's taking a private jet everywhere and you're watching someone like change their whole life and you're mad at the person changing their whole life rather than the person who's just like very awesome. Ostentatious with their finances for literally everything that they go through. Um, and I, yeah, I, it's, it's, I don't know the right approach to get through to people, you know, because you think like, oh, I can show by example. I can sh- see like this, I want to say this is possible for you, but people just kind of get upset.
5: I don't love the Hater And I think comparison is the thief of joy. And I think what's important for all of us to remember is. Look, we can't control anybody else. The only thing we can control is ourselves. We can't control the macro economy with inflation and all this other stuff that's going on. The only thing we can control is ourselves and our own decisions. And I think it's really important to figure out what it is we actually want before we start comparing ourselves to others and think, like, oh, I feel so terrible about myself. This person posted a picture on a yacht. Like, I suck. I'm, I am not anything. You're with coming my from
1: life. this mindset of like, only there's not enough money for everybody. Yes, there is. There is. Stop, like, that's, and
5: yeah. Yes, there is enough money. And to get woo woo about it, I really do believe in the law of attraction when it comes to money. Money absolutely has energy. Yeah. And so our penchant is to hoard it and save it. And like, if we don't have it, to just, you know, hold on to it really tightly. But actually, if you put more money out there, not frivolously necessarily, but like to charities, donate money, put money out there, you know, the energy comes back to you. I think, you know, not only doing that is important. You also have to get through some spending plans and figure out, you know, some investment strategies and things like that. But that's an important element to it. I think mindset matters a lot when it comes to money. Money is and figuring out your own goals are important to do before anything else because goals have price tags. But if you want to sit in a lawn chair when you're an old lady and you shouldn't be upset at somebody who's posting about a yacht because that's not your goal. So I think we can have it all, but only if we really clearly define what it all means and stop changing Mm. the goalpost on ourselves.
2: Have
1: you ever dated somebody that's in a different financial situation as you drastically? And how did that go? Because as women uh, making making good money, uh, oftentimes uh, we will run into situations where the guy says he's okay with us making more or it's very obvious that we do. And we're not rubbing it in anybody's face because that's fucking rude. But uh, the insecurities creep in and it's like, well, you're on board or you're not like, what are you doing? Like, have you ever have you ever experienced that with with dating? You know,
5: not much. I, yes, I've of course stated in both directions. Uh, but I think for me, I've really tried to put my money where my mouth is and live by the things that I preach or espouse. I don't, all of them for sure. I would be lying if, and I'm a terrible liar. Um, but I, I really do try to go first with hard money conversations. And we will talk about all the things before we talk about money. Like, and uh, so got it. I like to talk about difficult things first. E- you know, you can do this in any part, like trauma stuff. Once you open up about stuff, like I've already told you guys little things that have happened to me, then, you know, it kind of gives you license to do the same thing somebody you know, went first. So I'm like, I'll show you mine if you show me yours in a relationship, if not in a relationship, just as long as you show yourself yours, as, it, just as long as you're being honest. So I think when you're uncomfortable about talking about something or if you're like, you know, back to the prenup idea, if you're worried that somebody is going to give you a prenup, like do it first, go mm-hmm. first, confront yeah. that hard thing first. And I think that's the only antidote, like the only antidote for shame is truth.
1: You, are there? Can you give an example of uh, a past uh, financially uh, around the topic of finances uh, tough conversation you've ever had with a partner?
5: Totally, um, having a discussion right now with my fiance about a will, <laughs> having a discussion about a prenup, um, having a discussion about how we're gonna split up bills and you know what kind of life we want. I don't think it needs to go in. Like, guns blazing difficult. Right. I think you can really... um, Sex with Emily. Emily Morse was Mm -hmm. on my show, and she said timing, tone, and turf, and I love alliteration, so I remember that all the time. And, you know, when you're having these tough conversations, like... It doesn't need to be like with your spreadsheets, like on the table with like, you know, it's really about your goals. What what these conversations are about or how you want to live your life. And that's a sexy, fun conversation to me. And so, you know, it doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't have to be a hard conversation. Sometimes it becomes that for sure. But I think approaching it more from uh a standpoint of how do you want to live and mm-hmm. then realize we have to reverse engineer to figure out how to get the money to live the life right, we want. Right, right. Because I think I, there's even an email
2: and sitting in our inbox right now uh, from a woman who makes, you know, she's like a realtor. She makes like $75,000 a year. And she's saying she's like on these dating apps. And the, a lot of these guys are making like, you know, 30, 30 to $40,000 a year. And she's basically emailed us asking if, if she was shallow for not being interested in them. And I think that's a big part with women. Like we feel a lot of shame for different reasons like oh we should look beyond a man's finances but like that being said like men aren't looking beyond our looks men aren't looking beyond my titties sir you know so and I I dare you I think that's a great conversation to have you know loud loudly that it's not just about the money Uh, money says something about what you're doing the drive that you have the life that you see for yourself and so I don't think there's any shame in expecting uh, your partner or your possible partner to make a certain amount of of money I don't think it's shallow and I think that's just yet another tactic to keep women behind is to just say things are shallow it's basically like that's just a lo- like men setting these rules to allow themselves to continue to fucking phone it in
5: I have long said that dating apps should have, like, a debt filter or something like that. These are way more important things than, saying if he's 5'9 or 5'10, if he lives 37 or 38 miles away. Like, finances is the most important thing in a relationship, the number one cause of the divorce, the number one cause of fights. It is not shallow at all. Mm. Like, it is a much more important filter to have than— you know i don't know what are the filters now I well and that's so funny that you mentioned height because it's like we have no problem filter. demanding someone be six feet tall but then we're like
2: oh should he make more than thirty thousand dollars a year it's yes. like bitch prioritized. Uh, <laughs> and
1: also so you're getting, you're engaged i am uh, how what what say you about joining bank accounts like i feel I, like i never want to do that but um i don't know what's uh then what, don't what do it, that. What's, your, what's your philosophy personal Personally,
5: I like a yours, mine and ours account. And because there's always going to be a discrepancy, it's probably very rare that you make exactly the same amount of money. Then I think the hours should be weighted. So if somebody makes,
2: Mm, you know, one
5: hundred thousand dollars a year and somebody makes a million dollars a year, you're putting 10 percent into the hours, it feels the same comparatively. Mm, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then
5: I, you know, have long advocated for a secret account for women. Uh, I yeah. am all about that. I I think that I've just seen too many women get screwed in divorce or when their husbands die. That's oftentimes when women want to get their or have to get their financial shit together. It's really hard to do it proactively. But that's the time when it's reactive, just like, you know, a diagnosis, God forbid, then you start eating healthy. But it's hard to do it without that. Right. And so I've just seen the turmoil in the aftermath. Uh, So I always, always advocate to have your own back. And I always advocate that, like, having those filters are fine. Uh, There was a New York Times article that talked about a woman breaking up with somebody after she found out they were in a ton of debt. Cool. You got out of debt. You don't want to be with somebody with debt. Like, Amazing. Yeah, that is a much right. better like breaker than the five eight or five nine or the green eyes or brown eyes. Thing. Yeah, yeah.
1: And and also she found out, so that means he wasn't upfront because it's like if you are in debt, but if, do you have a plan? Do you have a plan of attack? Do you have some goals that you want to be meeting? Like that's a totally different situation. If you're in debt and you have plans intact, you have goals, and you have like I want to meet this by this date, then that's a different situation. But if you, I just find out you're in debt and you didn't, you weren't upfront about that, and we're like in a serious committed relationship then you're a liar like here and your financial
5: infidelity. Yeah. And it's that's real. Yeah.
1: Do you have any stories like, uh, or examples that you're like, that you will use as your like signpost of like, this will teach me to forever. Cause you said you've heard women whose husbands die and they're screwed or they get divorced and they're screwed where a woman was just completely dicked over from money that like, you're like, Oh, what a learning experience.
5: Oh my gosh. So many. Um, I almost want to bring in Mike. There was this woman on the show oh my gosh my heart just broke for her um she had like four kids and the guy her husband hid all this money in like different accounts she didn't know she was totally screwed she was left like and then he became abusive and then the courts didn't like have her back i mean oh shit every mess upon mess can happen and i know you know Somebody like they could never do anything to harm you. I get it, and I hope that you want to believe that. we I want. I do. Everyone I really can do, do something
2: to fuck you over, no matter no one, how well you know them. N- if you don't have
1: your back, no one ever will. Yeah. Amen, sister.
2: Yeah, I love the secret. Amen. The 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 notion of the secret account and like to get just like. Push that out into the into the environment because women definitely need to have a secret account. So and that's like I, that's like safety yeah. one hundred and one. I like I think you know when we talk about safety on this show, as far as dating or like you know we talk about money all the time because as you said, it's it's the way to to ensure that you don't get stuck in an abusive relationship or one of the, one of the ways it doesn't fully ensure you, but it's, it's so a reason that so many people stay in situations that are not good and like that. God, it shouldn't be the reason.
5: It absolutely shouldn't. And if you look back and you're really honest, let's say you magically had a trust fund of five trillion dollars. Would you have chosen differently in your relationships? Would, Would the balance of power be different? Would you have spoken up more? How would it be different? And I like to go back and if if it wouldn't be different, you're a better person than I am because it certainly would have been different in some cases for me. But I think that's the freedom that it allows you. It allows you to be able to speak your truth. It allows you to, you know, be with somebody because you love them, be in a job because you love it, not because you have to or not because you need – you're scared about, you know, making – ends meet or, you know, if you're living paycheck to paycheck. And so I like to reframe this idea from a place of deprivation to a place of aspiration, because oftentimes we think of money as like a really scary, like, don't buy a latte, clip the coupons, whatever, uh, the apocalypse is coming discussion. And it's not. I think that because that's fear more money. Yeah, I think your finances will follow if you change your mindset around it.
2: So you you work very hard. You you make a lot of money. You're doing a lot of stuff for women. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about burnout and what do you do? Because I feel like that's something that especially, um, not that men don't experience it, but I feel like women, especially, kind of in this day and age, it's almost like we're trying so hard to play catch up so quickly that we, ex- but we still, you know, want other things in our life. Uh, and it's like how you know, it's it's that age. Really question. wish you didn't have. How sleep. do we? How do we have it all? You know, and I and I do. Think I think it's possible, but I also see uh, women, including myself, experiencing burnout a lot and like wanted to know your thoughts on that.
5: Yeah, my, my last book was all about my recovery from burnout and a complete mo- mental, emotional, physical breakdown that, um, ended me up in the psychiatric ward at NYU because I was completely like hit my rock bottom. From the outside, I looked like I had all the things and had these books and shows and, you know, whatever. And, and inside, I, I, I say that it wasn't this spontaneous combustion because when I ended up writing a book about it, they were like, ooh, are you okay? Because this led to like that situation. And I'm like, you know, it wasn't one situation. I think it was a lifetime of smoldering embers that finally caught fire and incinerated everything in its path. And so I don't think it's one particular issue. I think that, you know, we all have stuff that will kick our ass if we don't deal with it at some point. And so my recovery from burnout and a diagnosis that i loved having to you know a workaholic person having a diagnosis with like catnip i was like yes <laughs> you wear that this. like a badge baby I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be the valedictorian of the
1: psych ward <laughs> <laughs> for the
5: win hey if you're gonna um,
1: be in there be the best
5: right <laughs> right <laughs> listen it's a great equalizer it's the best and worst place i've ever been and it it's like the subway or the flu like they're you know actresses on Broadway to CEOs to homeless people there. And they're there because they're suffering and they need to get better. And in my journey to getting better, I realized that self-care actually and emotional wellness, the reason I ended up writing a book that became a business book about it is because it's inextricably linked to your career. I think it's the biggest asset or liability in your career. I think when your emotional wellness is on point, it can actually bring you more success than you imagined. And when it's off, it can bring you to rock bottom like it did for me. And uh, yeah, I, I think in the having it all traditional sense, I think what they actually mean is doing it all. And I don't think we can do it all. But I think if we really define what it all means, then we can have it all and stop changing that so for me it was i'll be happy when i get to cnn or to when i got there i was like okay but then i'll really be happy when i get to some anchor job in new york and then i got there and then i was like mm, but i'll really be happy when i write one book and then i was like mm, but i'll really chasing be chasing happy
1: happy, uh, you're chasing something that you need to conjure up within yourself not from a job 100% It yeah. comes from within It's hard to yeah. yeah And it's sometimes You have to be in a psych words To go oh Cause it's It's real We're all We all kind of got tricked Into believing like Chasing something Outside of yourself Is really what's going To make you happy When that is just The opposite case What are some things That you do For your emotional well-being Now that you know Like how do you Take care of yourself Differently
5: you know, there are good days and bad days, and I think only a lifetime of good habits is going to be enough to counteract a lifetime of bad habits. And so in my last book, Becoming Superwoman, I also have a 12-step plan to have, you know, some of these tactics that I learned in getting through a mental health hospital an outpatient program and DBT class. And, you know, I went to Bali to meet with medicine men Ooh. and, you know, did equine therapy and like oh, met that. with Native American heal like all the all of the healers. That's I was like, shamans. I mean happiness, shamans, all of them. And I was really lucky to be in a position to be able to afford that because a lot of this stuff is really expensive. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna give the cheat code to what I you know, would have liked to have if I couldn't, I didn't have the luxury of going on this journey for myself. So I didn't intend it to be a book, but it ultimately, you know, it became it, it. sort of wrote itself during that time. I was it was the only time that I had really focused on taking care of myself in my entire career. Like I said, I, I started working in my teens. Um, I never took time off. I never put an out of office away message thing up. Um, and it was only then you're right, like it kicked my ass. I was there in a in an emergency room at 2 a.m. with my assistant and my shrink, like, canceling everything. And at that point, nothing else mattered. It didn't matter that I networked my ass off. It didn't matter that I was the valedictorian. It didn't matter. Like, none of that other stuff that I thought mattered so much was important. There's plenty to
0: celebrate in March and... Ex- craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from craftsy and anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry iheart country radio discover more shows and movies for free
4: as someone who lives for politics when a major scandal unfolds
0: it was shocking
4: i have to know what were they thinking
1: How did you? Uh, we talk a lot about this with guilt of, in various situations, but I imagine going from workaholic and then, okay, you've burned out to the point where being in the psych ward and you have to really readjust how you live, how you work, what your schedule's like. Um, I can't imagine there wasn't guilt that crept in of like, but I, but I, like, you know, it, sitting still is very difficult, like for me, but uh, I, you know, how did you tame the guilt? Because I always tell people, like, you just got to talk back to it. It's like learning an instrument. Like, you have to get used to talking back to it. Of course, those guilty feelings are going to pop up, but it's what you do with them. You have to change what you do with them. But how like, I love, How did you do that?
5: Yeah, I love talking to feelings. It's one of the tenets of DBT, which is now a lot of Lady Gaga and Selena Gomez and whatever are talking about it, which is great. D- What's it's, DBT? Uh, it's... It's dialectical behavioral therapy. Um, I did in an outpatient program. So I did an intensive on this, which is, I think finance should be taught in school, but also this. It was all the emotional skills that I think are far more important in your career and your life make you than you of the crap that we learn. Totally. And so there are different, uh, modalities like mindfulness, interpersonal communication, um, emotional regulation and distress tolerance and these things and like how to handle yourself. And these things are so simple and almost obvious, but not easy and not ever really spelled out. And so one of the tactics in mindfulness in that uh, section of the program is to talk to those emotions, like think of it as a stream with these logs, like, oh, hey, like, ruminating over your ex, I see you. What's up? <laughs> like, I, I recognize you. And I think that those tactics help you realize what the whole gist of that program is, the dialectics, that two things can be true at the same time. You can love your partner and be in a fight with them. It's not black or white. Uh, you know, and you you sort of accept all of the things for what it is, the picnic of your life with the wine and the cheese, but also the bugs and the dirt. And so talking to those emotions is recognizing them. And that's the only way that's helped me from ruminating, which is, you know, a lovely word. It comes from like how a cow chews its food and its different stomachs, but how we just get fixated on one specific thought and, and can't let it go. So talking to it, uh, also talking to your older self, um, confronting those confronting those emotions and not, you know, burying them like we often do with a wound, right? With neosporin and like a band-aid. Like let that shit breathe. Let yeah. that shit talk.
0: Yeah,
1: has got a lot to say. Let,
5: hear what the problems, yeah. Hear what they have to say. Cause they they're more scary. Like we suffer more in imagination than in reality. That's the stoicism thing. And yep. And and we do it a lot with money too. Like we catastrophize and we think all these bad things are going to happen and like the IRS is going to come and beat us up and take us to jail and like, you know, whatever, whatever is going on in your head. I think it's important to play that scenario out. okay like what will happen if you get audited? Like what are the next steps? You're not going to go to jail. You could, you know, call your friend that's a lawyer. You could live at your friend's house if you had no money. Whatever it is, you you will be okay And so entertaining some of those scary thoughts, I think, are the best way to get rid of them
2: so oh, uh moving a little bit more from money to relationships we found out from mike that you met your fiance uh through a matchmaker i did and that's so can you talk a little bit about that yeah. because makes uh, me want
1: to sign up for one obsessed
2: with matchmakers <laughs> i i would love to hear about the process if you were hesitant probably, it's probably a lot different than bumble yeah i'm just so i'm just so <laughs> totally. curious about this yeah.
5: Totally. Um, So I swore off dating. I moved from New York to L.A. I drove during the pandemic and it just I, I it wasn't happening for me. And I felt like I wanted to really lean into my mission in, on this planet to help women and, you know, whatever. And so I. I really, like, was done. Before, I said I was done, but I wasn't. Like, I gave lip service. <laughs> you like, wanted I to be done. I can be by myself. Like, totally. I love myself. I bought myself a right-handed wedding ring. I was like, the most important relationship <laughs> is the one with yourself. And it's, it's true, true. And which I is true. love my right-handed yeah. wedding ring. And I was like, if I ever have one on the other side, I'm always going to keep this one. You know, but some of that was b- BS. And my girlfriends who found their person really had to get to that place of, like, believing it. And so I was there and I got an email from this matchmaker named Talia Goldstein, uh, who's the founder of Three Day Roll. And over the years, she had been in contact with me to meet while I was single. And um, she finally just wrote me a note and said, I, you know, I know we've tried to connect. I have somebody in my service that I think would be a good fit for you. Can you just jump on the phone for a few minutes and mm. I was like well she was okay. like persistent
1: persistent with you I know it seemed like she was like girl you really need someone <laughs> right like <laughs> get it together Nicole yeah. I got no, your man she- you want them
5: or
2: not that's yeah. so
1: funny um
5: <laughs> uh, and she she had you know a lot of friends in common she had just introduced Ali Webb the founder of Drybar to her now fiance wow wow um, And so she was like this boss bitch whisperer, which I appreciate. And so I was like, you know, the world is small. Like, take this, you know, 10 minute phone call. Sure. And so I get on the phone with her and I was super, super honest. I didn't like I didn't bring my representative to the call. I just was like, here's who I am. Here's what I want if something. And if not, I'm okay by myself. Like, I only want something if it's additive. Nobody has to complete me. Nobody it's a has cherry to on me. top like, to an
1: already wonderful life you've created for yourself.
5: Amen. Yes. Better said than I did. <laughs> and so she was like, well, you're not right for this guy. And I'm like, cool. No, har- like, all That's good. So funny. She's like, but let me put you in the database. And in case you meet somebody else's criteria, like, I'll call you. And I was like, Mm. what do you think i said
2: no thank you bye <laughs> what, 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 what? what do you did she tell you specifically what criteria you didn't meet
5: no, that's a great question. Oh, okay. I didn't even ask. Yeah. i was just like, cool,
2: whatever,
0: right, yeah, yeah. But Weird. also,
5: I don't belong in a database. And also, if yeah, I'm going to go right. out with somebody, they're going to re- meet my criteria. So like, right. how much is this service? Right. And like, I wasn't expecting to throw down money on this phone call. But on principle, I don't feel good about leaving this phone call, being in a database, like waiting to meet somebody yeah, else's yeah. criteria. Yep. So it's like, what is your smallest, you know, shortest package? Like, I want to leave this phone call, you know, more empowered. And if if somebody thinks it's weird that I have a matchmaker reaching out to them, like, there's, that's not my person. And so I joined this service unexpectedly and went through, like, whatever onboarding process they had. And what really sold me was that they do the first date for you. So I've had a ton of—I'm sure you guys have— terrible first dates terrible and i'm like why did i waste eyelashes like why right. <laughs> why did no i'm so upset like at these ardell eyelashes that i can't use again um and so they did their first screening with them and you know they were like listen if you can afford it you hire a recruiter for your company to hire the best executives. You hire a personal trainer. Like you don't know about love, clearly. Um, <laughs> so hire a professional. And I was like, So funny. All right. I had zero expectations. I had, I just assumed like I just, you know, lit some money on fire. Money on fire, on fire right? It's whatever. <laughs> um, but the first person they introduced me to actually was Joe, uh, my now fiance. Oh wow. And why wow. was an,
1: damn yeah,
5: yeah, he was an early investor in the company. And so I joke with him. He gets annoyed. So I'll definitely say it again now um, <laughs> that he got like the right right of first refusal for all the ladies. Like, <laughs> <early> investor, <laughs> uh, But yeah, we we went out a year ago this week. Wow. for the first time?
1: Yeah. Can I ask what the onboarding process consisted of when you hire a fancy ass matchmaker?
5: Yeah, it was like Asking a couple me. of zooms, like, okay. you know, getting into it, finding clarity. It was actually good, ex- you know, just process to really articulate what it is I want, um, and really just have super clarity like I had dated men who had kids before and if I was really really honest in my quietest moment I was like I don't want a guy with kids yeah and like I don't want to apologize for that no like I really like
1: yeah if I if if you're going to experience a baby popping out of a vagina for the first time it's going to be mine Okay? Not some other ladies. I don't want this to be second place to your firstborn. <laughs>
5: that's right. <laughs> or how whatever your
1: reasoning it. is, but <laughs> that's
5: mine. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, sometimes I would say, "Okay, well, you know, whatever, I could try it or um
1: you know, you compromise I, I, on these little areas. You're like, "I don't know. Is that is is it, is it is it okay to demand this?" It is okay. okay. Yeah. Did you didn't demand
2: anything aesthetically?
5: Um, Big dick. No. <laughs> Not aesthetically uh, Oh, well, actually, so I did a nice to have and need to have list. And mm-hmm. on the, I really, as you guys are, I'm sure, are sensitive to voices. Christina is in, more than me, but yeah. I will fall
1: in love with a man based off of his voice. And I will yes! be repulsed by a person, man, woman, or child, based off of their voice. Yes.
5: I will climax based on a yes. very good phone conversation yep. for yep. sure uh, so I put that in the must have need to have list which some people wouldn't and that's yeah. fine
1: and right. then, yeah. if I were being really honest like Victoria Beckham does not feel that way you know that's fine <laughs> 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 that's okay <laughs> <laughs> Teach her own voice matters to me so much that I often think about women who are married to men with voices that I would have fucking clawed <laughs> my eyeballs my out over <laughs> <laughs> yeah you and me both yeah (laughs) Yeah. so
5: I I can find my list somewhere but it's um I don't think besides that oh uh I put Jewish and so I this was a sort of part of my deep dive into what I was really looking for and I'm not religious but I really liked you know being culturally Jewish and I was like you know what this is what I want so yeah that's it yeah here's the list
2: yeah 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 it's okay. weird how we feel weird about having a
1: list, like a preference list. Isn't that odd? I wonder why.
2: Well, because there's also conversations like I feel like in recent times where we like have to be open to like wanting to fuck anyone or be in a relationship with anyone. And like, I'm sorry, I just don't agree yeah. with that. I don't agree with it. <laughs> I,
5: I don't, don't I don't either. And yeah, I think that like if you stick to it, it doesn't you don't need to like say yes to all the people
1: that you know, swipe on you. Like, I know. I I, apps. I recently downloaded Bumble and then I haven't been on it since, but I was originally like, I, f- I noticed I was watching myself already compromising with the swiping. And I'm like, girl, you got to take a step back. No, like go after what you want. <laughs> Don't say yes so easily and go, hey, maybe I can put up with that. If you can't put up with the picture, you got it. Yeah. Yeah, my rule on dating
2: yeah. apps is like I very I've short, spent a very short amount of time there, but I only swiped if I would, if it was someone who I would be excited to go on yeah. a date with. So I wasn't mm. swiping a lot, but I was also surprising my, myself with like some of the people that were matching with me and I was like, uh, I Good this person's you. I definitely like visually out of my league, but it's nice that they, swip, you know, but it's also like what were their criteria? Like were they only swiping on people that they were excited about, you know? Cuz I know some men are just like yes and everyone. <laughs> (laughs) i'll take whatever so what was your first what
1: what was your first date like with with your now fiance um we talked on the phone um
5: and i wrote i recently went back and looked and i wrote the matchmaker that he felt like home very sweet um actually they introduced me two people at the same time um and so i had a zoom call with some other guy right after oh Uh, so it was a video call yeah. Okay, Joe so can- wanted to not do a video call. And he said that it it's distracting and like you have to see somebody in person to get the pheromones
1: in the sense. So That's I was like, twitches, fine. Yeah. He, yeah. Your He's body will react voice. in person not over. His and It's name.
2: kind of exciting to like talk to someone first and then see them after. Yeah. It's a little more thrilling.
1: Was he as hot but, as you thought? Or did you see a picture of him beforehand?
5: I did not see a picture of Ooh, him before. Oh, interesting. Um but I always now, you know, even my single girlfriends who are still single, like look at a video of them, not just a picture. That's yeah. why because it my tells dog. you so much <laughs> the more. Voice. It was,
2: I'm saying that's how I picked my dog. I'm not joking. I saw when I was going through the adoption process and, you know, like, I don't know if you've ever adopted a dog, but you have to basically submit yes. an application and, and it's like a really like competitive process. And so you have to be ready to, to just like submit the application, any dog that you like. And I saw pictures of lots of dogs, but I saw this video of my dog who's now named Alfred eating a snack. And I just loved the way that he ate the snack. And I was like, we're going to get along. And we do. <laughs> I love this dog. I love I love I'm like a real dog person, but like I. I love this dog more than I thought I could love any dog like ever Aww. like insane. Like we're tr- like, I truly feel soulmate like we're soulmate do- soulmates. And I was like, it's because of that video. Like my boyfriend at the time would come in and he's like, are you watching the video of the dog eating the snack
5: again? And I was like, I certainly am. Because it's I- in my
2: soul spank bank. Because I knew. So I I love that. And I agree with
5: that. <laughs> soul spank bank. Yeah. No, I, I agree. You, you can tell a lot of buy a video of dogs or men yes dogs Uh, (laughs) yeah just like their mannerisms Mm -hmm. right or yeah I think that I had made the mistake in the past of going out with people who I'd have like also you know I could almost climax with a sexy text conversation with like a turn of phrase and like Mm. I love words so much Mm. and so and I'd I'd just run into issues where then I'd see them and hear the voice Damn. or the some mannerism yes. that just uh, that happens to me, me so way.
2: often because i'm also ro- i also ram romanticize the written word and i've had like such good text message exchanges with several people who i then met in person and i was like can we go back
1: to texting like <laughs> yes. Not yes. Good. yes i don't know who i was texting but it wasn't you it's not good <laughs> <laughs> how early on uh did you have any conversation about finances with this person um so he's a finance
5: nerd too. So oh, we have a perfect. very f- financially nerdy house. We were bull and bear for Halloween. That's oh. how nerdy <laughs> we were. Our dog's <laughs> name is Penny. I oh, mean
1: wow. So, so we are like it. yeah. So yeah, was, that was we're, easy. We
5: we love talking about nerdy money stuff. Did you
1: split um, m- the did you split the first date or did he pay?
5: No. No, I am not. Oh, so I I am very adamant. Like, for me, I don't care what any other women do. I think ultimate feminist is not telling other women what to do, but you do you. For me, I'm not going to touch a check on the first date. I'm just not going to do it. I'm allergic to it. Like, I'll do the fake reach, (laughs) but that's about it. Like, I'm not going to (laughs) pay. Period. End of story. I like the lady boner goes away. I'm done. Mm -hmm. I'm out.
1: Like, no. It's just not for me. I don't want
5: to pay on a first date.
1: Yeah. And so I didn't. Yeah. (laughs) So, did you fake but a reach did- or no? I mean, obviously, if you're both there through this m- high end matchmaker, you're both fine, so you don't have to worry about it. Like when you're on Bumble, you're like, I don't know, if this guy's broke or what, <laughs> right? Like when you what told- did <laughs> Sometimes you? Sometimes they're broke, and you're like, uh. Oh. What was the
2: financial oh. conversation uh, with the with the matchmaker, if any, before going into? Yeah, did she this? give you tips for your? Pro- well, so
5: the guys. So when you the woman is the client, the guys aren't clients, mm-hmm. or they don't have to be.
2: Oh. So, she's just finding. Just, so how,
5: she's just how is she just
2: so she's just like at finding people that she knows from her life?
3: I'm in the pool. I'm in this pool. Oh, Mike's yeah. In the pool. Yeah. Mike
5: is gets he gets a lot of uh you know emails
2: oh,
1: I from this company. No, I don't want to be in the pool. I want to be the fucking client. <laughs> so interesting. Okay. In the pool. All
5: right. And and I thought like if they reach out to people You know, they'll reach out to anyone cold. They'll do a lot of Instagram stalking. Weird. Okay. Um, They actually slipped into Joe's DMs and asked if he was single. And he was like, yes. And then they scheduled a call. And it was interesting because I thought the perception would be that I couldn't get a date. So, like, why did I have to hire somebody to get me a date? Right. And... And so I was like, oh, I don't know um, how guys are going to respond to that. But he thought it was the coolest thing ever. He's like, it's easy.
1: Yeah. You do it for me. Hell yeah. It feels very <laughs> powerful.
5: Yeah. Yeah. So he was like, this woman must be that, you know, sought after. I was like, great. They they promised me that the best, the the right person would think it's the coolest thing. And he did. And so there wasn't, um, there wasn't like a, oh, he has to make a certain amount conversation
1: okay i think but i, I mean would, she probably knew like you don't want to you don't want a broke dude
5: i wanted somebody who is ambitious and mission driven those were my main criteria um because i dated a lot of successful men in the past that you know didn't have a mission or a purpose behind it, and like I said earlier, I think I truly do think that money without meaning is just paper. Yeah, and I'm I'm not about like making money just for funsies. Um, right, I'm really about like making an impact. And so Joe makes an extreme impact. Like they actually had me. They said, well, he wants you to look him up because he does political things and oh, i was yeah. like oh god a trump person like do i have to guns or whatever they're like no no he's like really into pop like alleviating poverty and he wants to make sure the woman is like okay with it." And like which woman would not he, yeah. be okay with like alleviating poverty like yeah women who don't like who hate you know, themselves? warm chocolate chip cookies and like fuzzy puppies yeah. what yeah but apparently he had gone out with women who weren't into it so so we went on our first date um, after our phone call. I, in It was raining. And I said, do you want a rain check? He's like, no, I must see you tonight. So he took me in the pouring rain. We drove down PCH and went to Neptune's Net, which is like a, you know, whatever, divey biker kind of like uh, fish restaurant. I thought he was just coming. Um, that sounds fun. And we talked all night. And uh, that's actually where he proposed oh English. i
1: was like not that night jesus christ okay cool
5: no so he proposed- but pretty, kind of did you talk I mean, about he asked me to move in after four dates really wow.
1: well hey when you know you know honestly like if it's going to happen it's going to happen it's going to be kind of seamless and easy did you talk about money stuff before he proposed like in terms of like yeah you both geek out financially but like in terms of uh, do, do we have an account to go do we like what is our finances as a couple did you talk about that before he proposed
5: yeah, we've always talked about that. Um because also when moving in together, I I recommend to others and also try to take my own advice that you really need to be aware of whose name the bills are under. Mm, right. You know, that's how a lot of women got screwed that, you know, that were the divorces that I've wow. helped in the past where either the stuff wasn't under their name, so their credit, they weren't building credit, or it was oh. under their name and it wasn't getting paid, so their credit was screwed.
1: So, what's the best option to do when you move in with the bills?
5: Is to do a couple in your name and a couple in their name. Oh, not and t- to joint. have that. To have that your own sort of credit history of paying bills on time, and sometimes you need bills with like a utility bill with your name on yeah, it. right. For like my TSA thing, and
1: right, you know, right, right, else. right, 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 right. Yeah. Anything anything else to look out for before moving in? Because I feel like people the moving in when you to go from not living together to living together, you're still in a honeymoon phase. Like that's still, you know, it's still so exciting. And you're like, oh, now it's going to be a sleepover all the time. And now we're just going to have a slumber party 24 seven. Is there anything else to look out for uh, through all of that bliss? I think financial infidelity
5: is the biggest thing. And that's a hard red flag to spot because oftentimes, you know, that's what people want to hide. So, you know, it would be the same as cheating emotionally or sexually. And so making sure you know how much debt they have or do they owe money to somebody, those are the types of things that uh, people often try to hide. And those are the biggest red flags. So just be aware that a lot of people do that. And, you know, You can kind of go first with my tactic. Just be like, hey, I just, you know, I have, like, 50 grand of student debt. Like, you know, I'm excited about what's happening. Maybe they'll get uh, forgiven. What about you? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) And then you just have to believe them, really, because you can't really be like, okay, show me proof. Like, you just have to choose to trust until they give you a reason not to, I guess. Yeah. Or if they do. Uh,
5: Yeah. I mean... You could, you know, a little bit of a Nancy Drew.
1: Yeah. Like,
5: just be aware. Yeah. Like, be aware of the the types of, you know, letters that are coming. Just, you know, just, you know that person. Uh, but financially, you know, you always want to have your own back, especially if you're going to smush finances. And especially if you get married. Mm-hmm. Also, having kids is a whole other discussion of, you know, non-fun you know, advanced directive talks and other yeah. things. So it just gets more and more complicated. So from the jump, I'm not saying like, what's your credit score on the first date? But you can ask questions around that that will give you a sense of their responsibility. Because what is credit actually tracking is, is how responsible you are. And yeah. I want a person that's responsible, maybe not everybody does but I always look know, at it, what
2: kind of car they're paying with too because like if you're like well into your 30s and you're still using the debit and not and a credit I go red flag red I, I, I'm I basically exclusively dating people who use debit cards and that's like my goal is for someone to have a credit card oh, an actual yeah. credit card yeah that's uh that
1: weighs something because
2: I was like I have I have I've had a credit card since I was 18 like a real a real credit card
5: not a not a nice. debit card, yeah and I do would like care about like what kind of Amex. Uh, no,
2: I don't. I don't, I don't care about that. But I mean, like, yeah. It, and also, it's weird because Amex used to be a good way to tell if someone was financially stable. But then American Express gave this uh, very young coworker of mine, who I knew was very bad with money, an American Express card. And I go, they've obviously lowered their standards, so I can't use that anymore. <laughs> I can't use that <laughs> as a reader anymore but yeah that's a good barometer yeah absolutely
1: well thank you so much for 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 hanging with us for an hour we really appreciate it um your book miss independent is out now right it's out february 1st february
3: 1st so when it comes out yeah so when it comes
1: out but you can pre-order it now you can hell yeah and then what anything else you would like to plug where we can find you online your website etc You can slip into my DMs. Uh, Those are the (laughs)
5: kinds I get. uh, Asking about financial questions at Nicole Lappin, wherever social media serves or listen to Money Rehab every single day.
1: Yeah, nice.
2: Excellent. Thank you so much. Uh, This has been Guys We Fucked, the anti-slut shaming podcast. We will talk to you next Friday. Guys we Fucked is presented by Luminary.
1: Created and hosted by Corinne Fisher and Christina Hutchinson.
2: Editing and music coordination by Mike Coscarelli. Theme song by Rob Patterson and Jake Cozen.
1: Suck my wet ass pussy.
2: <laughs> Christina said to cut that before, but now it's in there. Yeah,
1: let's keep it. Who okay. cares?
0: All the other women should love their bodies, but I... Our-
1: BetterHELP.com.